Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to the morning toast. I just told Claudia that Joe Rogan sold to Spotify for over $100 million, according to the Wall Street Journal, and she is shook. So, hey, Claude, how you doing? I'm shook because you and I, we're going to talk about it, but you and I were talking about it like privately yesterday, just wondering how much I had heard that there's like a certain formula that Spotify abides by when it comes to like buying podcasts. And we thought it was like at least 20 million, but a hundred. Oh my God. I cannot wait to dive into that. Hi everyone. Happy Wednesday. It's hump day. Make sure to hump someone you love today. Even if it's your dog, because that's what I'm going to be doing right after this. Speaking of where is the Foch? The Foch is spending some time with his father, um, which is okay. Hate to see it, um, but deep, deep, deep down at, you know, in the basement of my soul, I do know that Theo likes Ben better. So um, that's just like my cross to bear in this lifetime. I don't think that's true, but um, that's very generous of you to say. Um, well, it's also wow. very generous of Ben to walk Theo four out of four times a day. Um, I do it maybe like once or twice a week. So it's no wonder why Theo likes Ben better. So it's okay. That's very true. Well, happy th- Wednesday, everyone. Just almost got ahead of myself. Um, It's another beautiful day here in New York City. Very, very exciting. I actually have such a full day today. I'm like stressed, but not my usual anxiety stress, just like work stressed. Yeah, no, it's a nice change. I too have a busy day. I'm thinking I'm going to head over to get an antibody test um, from CityMD. So I think I'm going to do that. I have a lot of work to do. We are interviewing Lauren Gray a little later today. She'll be on tomorrow's episode. Um, so yes, me too. It feels good to have a, you know, a planner chock full of events. Chock full of events. We're recording the Redheads today. Claude, this book that I chose for the Redheads has just like split the group in two. Cause first I, I heard it's controversial. To, I was talking to the snitch and I was about to cancel two books a month. I was like, we can't handle it. I, I can't choose another book, like blah, blah, blah. And then I spoke to Dana and Dana was like, this is the best book we've read so far. It's so literary. Like it's just on another level. And I need to stop listening to everyone else and just like, did I like the book or not? But it right. really was so literary. And I look forward, Dana really like explains things to us like a teacher. So I'm actually really excited to record the Redheads and find out what I, what was it that I just read. Can I ask you a lo- uh, logistics question about your quarantine? Like when you're busy, are you still using your planner? Oh, that's such a great question. For two months, I did not touch my planner, but actually in the lead up to this week, I was wondering when I was going to get my period. So I, I put it in my planner the last times I got my period so I could like start counting the days and trying to figure it out. So while I was in there, I added some things, you know, 
Um, the only things I added were the live method virtual training sessions that I'm doing. Cause I do like to know how many times I do it. And now I think I'm going to start getting back to it because not adding like, you know, Lauren, actually, maybe I will add Lauren, Gray. Yeah, of course. We would normally add our interviews to our planners. But I feel like weirdly, I just have things going on now and they need to be planned. That's the thing about plans. You got to plan them. And that's the thing about like the slow reopening. Like I do feel as though my life is slowly, very slowly, like 1% getting open. Yeah, I actually, my life feels exactly the same, but I feel like I'm seeing people influencers, celebrities in New York and LA, like doing more things without crazy backlash, which makes me think that like we're starting to reopen, I think. Yeah. And if they get backlash, like they just don't, like everyone is doing what's best for themselves. And I think that that should be applied to everyone everywhere, whether you're an influencer or not. Just if you think what you're doing is safe and you know that you're taking the right precautions and you know the people that you're with and you know that they've been wearing masks and quarantining, do what you got to do. Stay sane, everyone. Yeah. Um, but my life is, you know, still the same it's been for the last three months. But like I said, I'm having, you know, a roller coaster of emotions. And today I'm feeling like, you know, I don't mind quarantine. I could go a few more months. Yeah. No, n- not a few more months. Um, but I am feeling today like, okay, just another day in the queue in a positive way. Like this yeah, is my does- life now. It doesn't feel like Kimmy Schmidt and we're like the mole women. It feels like we're just like living life and this is what life is now. Yeah. I I would agree. It helps on a busy day, but yeah, those not busy days, man. Mad sad. Man. Um, so we have a bunch of good stuff to uh, talk about. We're going to do Dear Toasters, which is our advice segment. Mm-hmm. And we are also going to recap the new episode of Vanderpump Rules, which was the season finale last night. That was an hour and 15 minutes, which was weird. Um, and was? I cannot, yeah. Um, and I'm excited to talk about it. Okay, cool. I'm excited. Should we actually have some great stories? I think we're going to have some interesting discussions today. And I think maybe just like without further ado, it is time. Do yeah, I also am all caught up officially on all the seasons of Drag Race. So with the, the reunion this week and the finale next week, I can give my thoughts, but I want to wrap up where I'm at and I'll do that in our TV recap segment. Great. Love it. Oh, and I finished Money Heist. Turns out I only had like 20 minutes of the last episode left. I always do that, like where yeah. I break it up and then I have to get back into it and it's over. Very sad. Oh, and Ben Platt's Netflix special came out today, which we have to watch. Oh, and I did not watch Songland, even though you only gave me 24 hours. So I will mute myself when you want to talk about it. Okay. Maybe you'll totally be lucky. About it. Maybe you'll get lucky and I'll forget. Okay. Um, okay. So it is time for the fast five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. And that's true, Jacques. But if I may... Allow me the floor for a mere 60-second ad brought to you by Liquid IV. Liquid IV is an easy, healthy solution for dehydration. One stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you faster and more efficiently than water alone. Each serving provides as much hydration as two to three bottles of water plus vitamin C, B3, B5, B6, and B12. So if you're dehydrated, try Liquid IV. It's the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Proper hydration is crucial for your immune system and can boost your immunity. They have more vitamin C than an orange and potassium more than more potassium than a banana it's packed with vitamins b3 b5 b6 and b12 which are vitamins known to help your body defend against infections and dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people which can lead to headaches i can attest to that dizziness brain fog muscle fatigue muscle cramps dry skin and more so to stay hydrated with water alone you'd have to drink eight full eight ounces glass 
eight ounces of water a day, which is so hard, even when you're not busy. Like I could just not get myself to drink water. It's like so time consuming and exhausting, but liquid IV adds a little flavor, makes it a lot easier. If you're hungover, it's a fabulous, um, regimen. Yeah. 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 I think so. (laughs) Um, so one serving of liquid IV provides the same hydration as drinking two to three bottles of water alone. And it contains the five essential vitamins that you need. And it's super effective because of its cellular transport technology. The optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivers water and nutrients directly into the bloodstream. So if you want to get liquid IV, it's available nationwide at Target, Whole Foods, and Costco. But if you want to get 25% off, you can go to liquidiv.com and use the code TOAST at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code TOAST at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code TOAST. You can also find them nationwide at Target, Whole Foods, and Costco. Sign on, get hydrated. Let's jump right in. I'm ready to dive on the deep end. Okay, first story, the big story of the day, especially in the podcast world. Actually, there's two big stories of the day in the podcast world. So, and you know, and they're two, they're the two biggest podcasts in the podcast world, but it's just so different how they're being treated. Spotify strikes a podcast deal with Joe Rogan worth more than $100 million, according to the Wall Street Journal. His full library, dating back 11 years, is to hit the service on September 1st and become exclusive to Spotify after that before the end of the year. Wow. Damn. Okay, so. This is just like so exciting. Obviously, I'm so happy for Joe Rogan that he got $100 million, but I feel like it's such a huge step for podcasters everywhere. I cannot believe that the figure was $100 million, but like literally he's one of the most influential people in the world. Like when he endorsed Bernie Sanders, it was like such a big deal. Like he's really, really influential in so many different circles. I don't even know what his numbers are, but he must be getting millions of downloads per episode, which very few podcasts get. I'm very happy for him. He seems like a hardworking guy and this is fabulous. Like this is just so exciting. I mean, it's going to take a bit of an adjustment for the audience who might have always been listening to him on YouTube or on iTunes, but Spotify is a free platform. Um, there's no reason why this should really affect his numbers, but it'll be interesting to see if it does. Yeah, this is a major move for Spotify in the podcasting world to just go and chomp snatch. down on the biggest podcast. They just fucking snatched that. This really reminds me of Howard Stern and when he went to Sirius oh, and not really like took his whole audience with him and Sirius became like this big, like bigger than radio. So Mm -hmm. I think this is just an interesting tidbit for the podcasting world. I'm so happy for him. You know, he's a hardworking man. I totally agree. And, um, I just think this is interesting all around and I'm, and I'm very happy. And I also love Spotify as a platform. And if Spotify is the next big thing in podcasting, that really works for me and my routine. No, it works for me as a person, but it also works for me as a podcast host. Obviously, like I have many interests here. I have a lot of sticks in this fire. Um, And I agree. Spotify, like for music for me, is like the end all be all. Like I can't, I don't even understand how people like pay for Pandora or Apple Music. Like it's, they're just such subpar platforms in comparison to Spotify. So it makes sense that they should become like an all around audio platform, whether that's music or podcasts. They've started to integrate like videos um, on a lot of their podcasts. Like some of the guys from the vlog squad have a podcast and they now get their video on Spotify, which is like sickening for a couple video podcasters. Right. Joe Rogan does video on YouTube and now all of that will be on Spotify, which is major. And I'm glad that like Spotify is prioritizing vodcasts as well, which is what we do. 
And then that's why that figure, 100 million, makes a lot of sense because he's now um, losing all of his YouTube ad revenue, which I'm sure was a lot of money, not 100 million, but it's all just like contributes. When you go exclusive on Spotify, like you lose other revenue streams. So they had to gain 100 million dollars. So I think it. I take my YouTube stream. I'll take a hundred million dollars in five fucking seconds, bitch. I think it balances itself out. Yeah, but this is just fascinating. Big news for podcasters. Congratulations to everyone involved. I am so happy and jealous. Yes, I totally agree. Now, um, switching gears, and I think this will provide a lot of context into our next story, which is still the biggest story of the week. The Call Her Daddy saga continues. Jackie, I am so invested in this. I had a dream about it okay wow i like got canceled for saying something about it because i feel like i'm actually on an unpopular side of the whole debacle i agree i feel like so am i and i want oh my god i'm getting choked up i'm getting emotional i'm so (laughs) (laughs) i'm so invested in this because like you know what it's reminding me of a little bit the james charles tati westbrook thing when tati released her video that was facts she wasn't saying anything untrue, just like Dave, but without James's context perspective and just emotions that went behind decisions, everyone railed into James. Then a week later, we're railing into Tati. And I don't know if we're ever going to get that video from Sophia, definitely not from Suitman, of what was going on on their side. But I just feel like this is so one-sided right now. I think Suitman is such a convenient villain for the whole story. And while it's funny and stuff, it's funny to like ruin people's lives and make fun of them on the internet all day. Um, I do think that there is more to the story and I kind of, I want to get into all of it. Right. And part of the reason why I'm now taking, I think I'm really more taking the side of Sophia is because I feel like the way that they're going after a private citizen, a man with a job who was just like trying to do right by his girlfriend. Like, I feel like that's really unfair. And now I'm just feeling like I want to fight for what I perceive to be the underdog, which is Suitman. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we recapped this story, the first half of it on Monday's episode. So check that out. Um, but this is the, the second coming of the Call Her Daddy drama. Yes. So in the past few days, you know, it's become a meme. It's everywhere. Everyone is kind of like railing on Sophia, especially Suitman. So yesterday, Sophia took to Instagram stories to speak her mind. She didn't say very much, except the interesting factoid was that she feels that Alex, her co-host, stabbed her in the back. So that's really all we got from that. Then Dave- Twice. Twice, yeah. Dave did an emergency press conference sort of addressing what Sophia had said and really still no new information, but it's always entertaining to get a video from Dave spilling the tea, guzzling it and spitting it out. And I feel torn because like, I actually really like El Presidente. Like, I think he's so funny and really smart. And I love how he like combats the haters in the media. Like I totally am with him on that. Um, I just feel like it's gone so far to the point where it's like really not nice. And I know that's like so lame of me to say like, Barstool doesn't care. But like, I'm just like feeling for Suitman right now. And I don't yeah. feel like it was bad at all. Okay, I totally agree. And I understand that this is what Barstool does. Like they roast people, they have the thickest skin, they do it to each other, and that's the community. But like from what I'm seeing on the internet, it's just become, we all say like, fuck cancel culture, but that's literally what we're doing right now. Like Sophia in the last three days has lost her job, probably, um, her friendship. And now like, how can her relationship survive this? I don't understand. So 
I just want to offer like an alternate perspective of what I think happened in the months leading up to this brouhaha. I don't know that this happened, but I'm just putting myself in someone else's shoes. Also being in the podcasting industry, recognizing that Call Her Daddy and Joe Rogan are one and two in the podcast store. Joe Rogan just signed a $100 million deal and these girls are being called greedy for not taking half a million dollars for a year. Okay. Totally. And I think we all need to acknowledge how differently we speak about call her daddy just because they are women. Like it is so glaringly obvious, like how this conversation is so misogynistic. Like I've been seeing TikToks everywhere that like Alex and Sophia were pretending to be relatable, but they were really making $500,000 a year and $500,000 a year is a lot of money. But if you know your worth in the podcast industry for a show that big that I want to assume has about 2 million downloads per episode, $500,000 is nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. So, okay, I've been following them for a while. I think Sophie and Suitman have been dating for over a year because I remember she went to the Game of Thrones premiere because yes. he works at HBO. And um, so they that was over a year ago. So I'm going to say they've been together for over a year. Her boyfriend works in media. He's the VP of HBO Sports. So he understands like the value of a podcast. I know HBO is into podcasting now. He sees that his girlfriend hosts and her friend hosts the number one podcast in the country, in the world sometimes. And that, and she is making a base salary at the time of $70,000. Now that is a fucking joke. I understand that they signed a contract, but they are employees of Barstool and they deserve raises over time, especially based on performance. Wait, also, I think what you just said is so important because a lot of the rhetoric being said is like, they can't just break their contract. I, I understand how it looks that way where it's like they have a show and they have to do it a certain amount of time. But at the end of the day, they're just employees. So they really, it wasn't necessarily breaking a contract. They could have just like quit. Like it's not, it's not like you're a talent. It, they, I just don't think that the, the deal was structured that way where it's like, we are talent and we will do a show for X amount of time. It's like they're employees. They can leave whenever they want. Right. So they were going to quit and go to Wondery. And so this is where it gets interesting. So he's watching her be underpaid for a very long time. Her and her friend. I think he, if I don't know this. I'm just speculating. I'm just painting a story in my head. He was like, you guys are underpaid. Let me show you what your podcast is worth. Went out, got them a deal. I'm going to say the deal, did, were the numbers ever confirmed on the deal? No. I think it, the deal would have at least been a million and a half dollars each for both of them. Yeah. Like nothing. Just to show them like that is what they're worth. Right. So, not even negotiating that deal. Just like the initial offer was at least $3 million. It had to have been because I know what our network gives other people. Like it's just, it's, I would actually say it might've been more. Yeah, no, but I'm just, I'm just trying to be conservative here just so that they can see how underpaid they are. And I understand Barstool is a major marketing machine. They have so much to do with the success of Call Her Daddy. But at the end of the day, Barstool has a lot of other podcasts, a few other female hosted podcasts that um, are not Call Her Daddy. So there is no. something about these two girls and they have value. And I know you think they only work two hours of the week, but what they do in those two hours is worth more than half a million dollars a year. It just is, according to the facts, according to Spotify, according to the Wall Street Journal, according, according to the to industry. The industry standard. So I think this was a guy who thought, who saw his girlfriend and her friend are getting underpaid. He wants to just show them what they're worth in order maybe to give them the confidence to go and renegotiate. Right. So they realize with a deal at Wondery, they'd have to start their show over, very similar to the breath and the toast. So like we've been yeah. in this position. But they can't they, get their trademark. They can't get their Instagram call her daddy, which has over a million followers. And that's tough. I get that. Like when we had to leave the morning breath, like 
we were, we only had a hundred thousand followers. We were devastated. We did everything we could to get the trademark. Like we were meeting with the lawyers, like we did everything we could. And then it dawned on us. We had no choice. Like we couldn't get it. So like the decision was made for us. So I understand why it's difficult for them to like not see beyond like a year from now where it doesn't really matter. Like you can get an Instagram back. You can get your viewership back. You could like a, a podcast isn't really in the name if you have an audience. Right. So they start going down or uh, entertaining this wondery path where they'd have to start the show over. They'd lose the IP, lose the Instagram handles. It would be called the fathers, but they would own it. They would be getting paid much more. And in a year from now, the show, if it, if it really is them, that's the success of the show. The show will be as no one will remember caller daddy. They're just the fathers now. And they will have spent the last year making real money and building something of their own. So once you go from like having the mentality of, Oh wow, like this could be ours. We could be making millions a year base salary without merch, without touring, without any of that. I understand the half a million dollars a year, which is salary. They could have been making more on top of that, but all of that is based. All those bonuses are based on how well you do your job, you know, Mm -hmm. but they deserve more just bottom line yeah so I like even though to us when Dave says he offered them half a million dollars 50 50 on the roof you get your show in a year when you're already going down the path of I'm gonna own my show we're gonna start over we're gonna start it from scratch and we're gonna build it up and in a year we'll have made our money back and own our show and we didn't spend the last year like you know having to go back to barstool tail between our legs it's it's hard to do that. I understand that Alex made that choice and Sophia didn't. And now we're in this place and it's really sad. Um, and and now way, that if Alex wanted to accept that deal, which like, I'm just putting myself in my position. Like I would have probably entertained the Wondery deal. Um, but if Alex obviously likes being at Barstool, there's definitely many benefits to being a part of the Barstool family. And I totally get that. I just need to know if she went behind Sophia's back and took the deal or if she told Sophia, like, we can't agree but I'm going, you know, there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference because everyone's entitled to choose what they want to choose. And if they're not seeing eye to eye, that sucks. But if Alex went behind her back, like that definitely constitutes as a betrayal. Yeah. Because regardless if they both went to Barstool and they took that deal or they both went to Rundery and they took that deal, like they will be fine. But when they, when there's a a fracture between them, like now it's become sad. The show isn't what it was. I'm sure if Alex does a show with Barstool, I'm sure she'll get a different co-host, but it's going to be a coworker and it's Forrest and you always wonder, yeah. do these people even like each other? Whereas like her and Sophia were just like your best friend goals. And it, that's, they, that's, you don't come around that often. They were their most powerful when they were on the same page or at least willing to do, make a decision together. And the minute that one of them made a choice without the other is where they lost all their power, especially Sophia. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And now I just feel badly for Sophia. I don't, I just, I feel bad. We say that we're not going to do this to people, you know, like that we're anti cancel culture, but like, look what's going on. It just makes me so sad. And no, at the end of the day, they are worth that. so like everyone without perspective, like sees half a million dollars and is just like, oh my God, how could they not take it? They're so greedy. But Joe Rogan, who they, yes, has 11 years under his belt, but whose numbers are similar to theirs, a hundred million dollars. 
I totally agree. These stories couldn't have come out at a better time. And I, I agree. I feel like where who I feel the most bad for is Suitman. Like, first of all, I agree. It's an easy villain. Like, let's just blame it on Suitman for sure. And I get that it's funny. But at the end of the day, this is a private citizen who's not a public figure, who doesn't have social media and really shouldn't be dragged. It's really um, fucked up. And I want to say it's borderline illegal. Um, how, like, to... Because he's a he's not a public figure like he's not protected in that in that way he should be protected in that way yeah for barstool it's like you came for us we're coming for you don't start with us because you don't want to finish with us but i just think like for the memes and the tiktoks like it's and even in just the toaster groups is really what where i sort of get the pulse of what people are saying and the toasters are very eh, sometimes it's like sympathetic bunch and we all agree like we're anti-cancel culture so like what are we doing ruining these people's lives at the end of the day he might have just been trying to help his girlfriend get paid for the work that she does his girlfriend and her friend and her friend yeah no i i see suitman i know this is so controversial (laughs) i see him as the hero of this story i do (laughs) I do. And I feel so bad for him. And I, I'm sure like, honestly, like him and Sophia, like want to kill each other right now. They're quarantined. And he's like, I'm a businessman, Bo. I am a suit man. And now I'm being dragged on Twitter and on TikTok, like, and on Reddit. Like I feel for suit man, justice for suit man. And I know that's like a not popular opinion at all, but I'm just feeling like, why is this private citizen who was just trying to help his girlfriend and her roommate, like know their worth, empower women. Like, how is he the villain? No, I totally completely agree, but it's all about perspective and how you see things. And I just, I don't see Sophia making this video. Um, people are saying she's not saying much because she's getting ready to sue. I don't think there needs to be lawsuits. Like Sophia and Alice are friends. I think, I don't know if it might be too far gone for them to come back together, but I think just at least the world needs to just let up on them. Like how much can one person take? I'm like so worried about their mental health. Like Jesus, this happens all the time. And like people just don't care. No, I completely agree. I think it's pretty safe to say call her daddy is not coming back in the way that it once was. I think Alex will get her own show at Barstool. Dave said on his press conference, he's like, Sophia can come back. I'll give her her own show. But I don't think after what they've done to like her and her boyfriend, she could ever return. No, I don't think so either. Also, Dave put out a video this morning on the Call Her Daddy page saying, if you want to host a podcast, because a lot of people are now DMing like, I'll do it with Alex. I could do it one hour, talk about my sex life, make a half a million dollars. Um, but he's like, no, for real. Like, if you want to show at Barstool, send us your audition tape to auditions at barstool.com. And they're not to replace Call Her Daddy. He's like, we're going to work it out with the Call Her Daddy girls. But if you want your own show, we're always looking for new talent. So I actually think that's a really positive way to get a, you know, a better outcome out of all of this. And it's like, I don't think there's a villain in this story. I like and respect Dave. I like and respect Alex and Sophia. And I don't know Suitman, but I'm just, he's not, I'm not going to let him be this like Disney villain that is just so easy for for us to think, right. For us to think of him as, you know? Yes, I agree. I don't think anyone here is lying. I think this is the definition of like, there's three sides to every story. And it's like, everyone is telling their version of the truth. I don't think anyone's lying or being shady. And I agree. Like, first of all, this is fucking amazing press for Barstool. It's like a podcast network. Like it was really brilliant of Dave to like use it as an opportunity to like garner new talent. And I, and I don't think anyone here is really in the wrong. I just think that like the way we're all reacting to this, it's like at the end of the day, it's just like a fucking podcast, like chill the fuck out. Like it's so dramatic and it's like so life or death. And it's like, these are people, my God, it's like, we fucking forget that all the time. These are yeah. people, they have like, they have sisters and their parents, like fuck off, like chill the fuck out. Yeah, I totally, completely agree.
but I'm living for the drama. <laughs> I know. I just hope that it has a happy ending. Yeah. You know? I, I think that I think that Alex will get her own show at Barstool. And if there's a co-host, it'll be like an employee. They will not be equal partners. Um, and I think that Sophia will like influence, maybe start like a small podcast with another network, but just like live the life. I think she's like seen she's seen a lot of the perks of fame and now she's living through like the ugly stage of it and the highs are fucking high and the lows are even lower than you can even imagine and I feel like she might react to it in the sense of like I'm happy with my 800,000 Instagram followers like I can make a living I don't need to be the biggest podcaster in the world because honestly like sometimes it's just not worth it and Alex has really only seen the positive side now everyone took her side she's cool with Barstool they're defending her all the memes all the TikToks are like go Alex so she hasn't really experience what kind of toll the flip side of fame can take on your mental health. So I think she'll continue to like be podcaster number one, Barcelona Call Her Daddy podcaster, because right now she may maybe doesn't know what the alternative is. But Sophia has seen the alternative and I feel like she might be done. Yeah. The only way for this to work now at this point for them to get back together. And Sophia said this in her video, like she's not going to be 25% while Alex is 75. She said, I'm not going to be her employee. Um, so Alex would need to give up that extra 25 that she earned in coming forward. And they would be 50, 50, which is why it needs to still be a conversation, like just between the girls, like forgiving each other. But I don't know if that's going to happen at this point. And I've, I've kind of given up hope for it. I just hope that everyone yeah. like makes it out okay because now I'm just like starting to get worried about people. No, I totally agree. And I don't know if I was Al- if I were Alex, like what I, I just got a fucking amazing deal. Would I give up 25%? But at a show like that where it's two co-hosts, I understand that the narrative is being said that like Alex does more work than Sophia and that might be the case. But like talk about it. Let's split up the responsibilities 50-50. Like we're 50. I, like there are ways to mend that, but I can't imagine like being two co-hosts of a podcast with they one has 800,000 followers one has a million followers like they're both bringing something to the table i just can't imagine it not being 50-50 and that's where podcast deals or deals of any kind like a boy band like that's where shit gets messy yeah i totally agree so that's that on that that's that on that wow i look forward to seeing how the story develops and i hope that maybe you guys will just be a little kinder to sophia and suman yeah justice for suman Justice for Sophia. Okay, next story. Really shocking turn. Kristen Cavallari decides not to continue with Barry Cavallari amid her divorce from Jay Cutler. So Kristen Cavallari posted like a glam photo in front of a green screen to her Instagram yesterday. I thought it was going to be like, we're filming. I was like, wow, in the quarantine, how? And instead she said that during this new chapter in her life, she will not be continuing on with Barry Cavallari, which I'm assuming means the show is completely over because she is very Cavallari. And um, I guess it makes sense because like, they focus a lot on Kristen and Jay and she doesn't focus on her kids. So then you take out her home life completely and it's just like Cavallari rules, but people don't even like her employees. And there's just, I I think she just got out before she was, before the show went downhill. And I actually really respect that. Yeah. I read a theory on Twitter that I totally believe, which is essentially that she's going into um, divorce proceedings with Jay, who has like made, you know, $150 million last year or whatever. Um, And I'm sure that Barry Cavallari was probably her number one stream of income. And like in a court of law, I think she's just positioning herself it better now to take what's rightfully hers, which is potentially half. Oh, interesting. Because if she has this big income coming in every year, how can they say that she needs his money? Right. And if they're splitting custody, like she it's, it's on the court and her husband to make sure that like she is able 
to sufficiently provide for her family. Um, and if she doesn't have the show, then I think the, the next thing would be like, okay, well, let me take from the marital funds. Understood. I don't know that's if that's a very interesting theory. Yeah, I don't know if that's how divorce works, but the, the thread made a compelling case. I kind of, I see that. I feel like maybe that was just like one reason, but you know, like it just, the cons were outweighing the pros of doing this show. The show like yeah, ruined it, her friendship with um, that girl, Kelly. Kelly, like, you know, it put a spotlight on her marriage. And I think ultimately, you know, now it's like this income that she would have to share with the courts. And I think ultimately it's doing more harm than good. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I've literally never in my life felt compelled to turn on Barry Cavallari. Now I'm like, maybe I would watch it. Like, she's kind of just getting interesting. Yeah, maybe she'll go back to the hills. Oh, yes. Grovel. I love a good tail between your legs moment. I wonder if she'll stay in Nashville. I think she'll have to, like, for the kids in Jay. But if you watch the show, she really didn't have much, aside from her store, like, she didn't have many friends and she was always missing Chicago and... I feel like without Jay, what's keeping her there? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, next up, a really sweet story from one of our favorite people here at the Toast. Yeah? Yes. Yes. Sia confirmed she adopted two teenage sons who were aging out of the foster care system. Quote, I love them. Sia is opening up about her life as a mom. The singer confirmed that she welcomed two sons into her family last year during an interview with Sirius XM's The Morning Mashup on Tuesday, sharing that she adopted the teenage boys when they were leaving foster care due to their age. Quote, I actually adopted two sons last year. They were both 18. They're both 19 years old now. They were aging out of the foster care system. Yeah, and I love them. Oh my God, I think this is the sweetest story. I love Sia so much. I'm like so happy for her and her growing family. And I just... I, we have no choice but to stand. No, every time I hear something about Sia, it makes me a bigger fan than ever. And this is just such a beautiful, like, sentiment. Like, kids aren't the only ones who need parents. Like, everyone needs a family, no matter what age you're at. So I love this. And, you know, they always say, like, oh, what was that movie? Oh, Like Mike, where it's, like, older kids in the foster care system are much – it's much less likely that they'll ever get adopted when people come in looking for – like to adopt they want like a newborn like the cutest one and so it's harder as you grow older so i just feel like this is such a beautiful statement such a beautiful message i fucking love sia everything she does is special and wonderful and i'm so happy for these kids because like sia as your mom everything of the sort no totally and you know her relationship with the kardashians was really just icing on the cake and how much i stand her and i just i love when like my people in my corner are just like Doing the so right thing. Worth, so worthy of my shipdom. Yeah, like, I feel good. I lay my head on my pillow at night. I'm like, I support Sia, and that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fifth and final story, just a weird one, a weird historical artifacts story. Historical artifacts story. Ooh, I love a historical artifacts story. Okay, a judge has ordered that the salvage firm can recover the Titanic's telegraph machine. A federal judge in Virginia has ruled that a salvage firm can retrieve the Marconi wireless telegraph machine that broadcasts distress calls from the sinking Titanic ocean liner. In an order released on Monday, U.S. District Judge Rebecca Beach Smith agreed that the telegraph is historically and culturally important and could soon be lost within the rapidly decaying wreck site. So they're going to go back down to the Titanic to get this telegraph machine. There are people who are like up in arms about it because it's a grave site for the 1,500 people who died um, just to get a telegraph machine, um, which is interesting, but um, I don't know. I like, that. 
wait, I have a question. This might be like the dumbest question I know ever. What you're gonna say? But if there's like a like a shipwreck and people die, do they like take them out and bury them, or they leave them down there? Oh, that's not what I thought you were gonna say at all. I believe that they would leave them down there. Like it, if it's um, well, no, because sometimes the bodies wash up. Well, I guess it's like if if nobody knows where the ship, like the ship goes missing. Of course, years later, maybe they find the boat, but they're, they they can't find the boat at first, so they're not going to bury the people. But it's like when the Titanic sank, did like everyone knew? Yeah, like the police and everyone showed up at the end of the Titanic. Like, did they take the people out of the water and give them proper funerals, or did they just like leave them down there to die? I think if, if they were like floating on the water, they probably took them out. But like the ones that went down. That went down with the ship. I think they might still be in the ship. I would definitely understand some of the frustration of, like, people going down to get a telegraph, but, like, not their loved ones. I, I actually would agree <laughs> with some of the backlash that that's incredibly fucking weird. I thought you were going to ask if the necklace from the movie um, was a real thing. Like, maybe they're going down there for some buried treasures, just like uh, OBX. Oh, yeah. Can I say something so controversial? Please. <laughs> I think that the movie, The Titanic, like, sucks. Oh, my God. It's not even controversial. It's just wrong. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's just right. No, like, that movie is so, so good. No, like, these kids are so dramatic. Like, go back to your parents' room. Like, the whole thing was bothering me. What I will say, though, is that Kate Winslet was completely miscast. Sorry. She was like, like, she just was giving me, like, 40-year-old vibes, and Leo's like... (laughs) 18 and I just thought they were a mismatch um whereas like Leo was Jack like he he was the perfect casting but I just think that she was like not the right cat like the movie ultimately is really good but she was just like a little too like matronly yeah I just didn't want to like be mean but no I know what you mean like even at a young age she had a very mature face and like they're supposed to be kids but when I think of Kate Winslet like in my mind she's always like a 35 40 years old a matron. Yeah, a matron. So I actually, I feel that call, but I don't think that's, the, that's not why I think the movie's terrible. Like, I just like hate the whole thing. Like, it's so long. When's the last like, time that you watched it from start to finish? Like, the first time. <laughs> okay, then that's why. What, the, okay, so we watched it as kids, and like, obviously we had to like break it up because it was like two different videos, and we couldn't yes. watch any of the, yeah, we couldn't watch any of the nude scenes, and so it was like, what were we even doing watching it? But when we were in the Bahamas a few years ago and I got alcohol poisoning and I was um, subjected to my bed for like two days straight and you guys were like going out as you should, like, don't worry, I'm not like coming for you. Sounds like you're still mad about it. (laughs) No, I'm not. Because on VH1, they were playing Titanic and all I had was time. So I was like, I'm going to watch it. And I was just like, so moved by it because you know, I love a true story. Titanic is such an interesting historical story. And then they put this like not real love story on top of it layered with like real people like the unsinkable um molly brown i think her name was who played kathy bates and there was just like it was so beautifully done they like rebuilt the ship it's just an amazing movie yawn i'm just like i'm not interested i hate period pieces like i hate old movies like i anything that's not in 2020 like get the fuck out of my face sorry you know what you're entitled to your opinion um you're entitled to your opinion it's just like grandma central. Like maybe I like when I'm a grandma. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely became a grandma at a young age. So yes. that's why I love it so much. But yeah, you have some time. 
Um, so back to the story. I'm glad they're going down to get the telegraph, but not the remains of human beings. I think that's just really special and important. I just don't get like why this telegraph machine like the, yes it's culturally if it's if it floated up to the top it'd be like yeah let's put it in a museum but like right. there's so many other things on the ship that are probably also culturally important where this is also maybe a dumb question where's the boat it's in it's in the atlantic between oh, the where boat. was the boat going it was going from um the uk or ireland from the uk i think to uh america and, yeah to america so it would be the Atlantic. Yeah, it would be the Atlantic. Interesting. Well, um, cool. I can't wait for people to tweet at us, like, how much misinformation we've been spread in this story. So the Titanic, here, the Titanic had been traveling from England, I was not wrong, to New York. That When I said here, they were coming yeah. right here to my bedroom. When it struck an iceberg and sank in 1912, killing all but 700 of the 2,208 passengers and crew. Killing 700 killing all but 700 so seven pe- 700 people survived 2208 minus 700 people yeah that's a weird perished. way to phrase it like why don't they just say how many died like making us do mathematician 1500 people mathematics okay wait um, here's another interesting paragraph that might like clear some things up the national oceanic and atmospheric administration which represents the public's the public's interest in the wreck site fiercely opposes the mission. The NOAA argued in court documents that the telegraph is likely surrounded, quote, by the mortal remains of more than 1,500 people and should be left alone. Agreed. Um, and if, like, the remains are still down, they're like, why can't we get them? Because they're, like, to... I think brittle. No, or, like, don't bodies, like, they just... What's the word? Disintegrate. Yeah. Like, flesh and bones and, like, fish eat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it's that's still, terrible. you know, the soul. That's her. This- I'm speaking out. I'm because I'm I, speaking out. This is not right. Are you part of the NOAA now? I'm part of the oceanic vibe. Of yeah. People. The brief transmission sent among those ships' wireless operators, staccato bursts of information and emotion, tell the story of Titanic's desperate fate that night: the confusion, chaos, panic, futility, and fear. That's oh great. Let's pick up a box full of recordings of people fearing for their lives. Who the fuck wants that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with the NOAA on this one. It's going to be a no for me, dog. So those are the five stories. And honestly, I do feel as though you needed to know them. For sure. Very informative. I hope you get invited to a dinner party soon if your state is allowing that. Yeah, maybe a Zoom dinner party. And um, let us know what you think about them going down to the Titanic for some um, yeah. telephone. You know, yesterday we asked a lot of the viewers to let us know if they were also synced up with us on their cycles, um, the third period of the quarantine, and a lot of us toasters are synced up, and I just think that's wonderful and special, a real true bond of sisterhood. I completely agree. Um, Okay, let's dive into our TV recap segment. Let's talk about Vanderpump Rules season finale. Um, There were actually some wonderful parts of it, and it really, for me, cemented the fact that, like, we need new blood. Like, the Danica-Sheena double moment was everything, because you want to know why? Neither of them have anything to lose. Like, they don't care. They just want to make a scene, like... All of these OGs, like, they have multi-million dollar mansions. Like, they're not going to fuck shit up and be nuts. They don't need to do that anymore. But Danica lives in a tiny apartment, I'm sure. Like, she has absolutely nothing to lose. Sheena, number two, like, flew here from Vegas just to get her moment. And she was everything of the sort. Like, I wish they let her sit behind Stassi for two more hours because I was dying and I was loving it. And Danica just, like, putting her ass where it doesn't belong. But it started this amazing fight. Like, that was, that was the best part of the whole season. 
I totally agree. And this one episode really cemented the need for two different shows because there were a few interesting moments and they took place on completely different hemispheres. One, Danica, Sheena 2.0, just like the fact that there is a Sheena 2.0 and like Sheena loves her. And I just, she's like, you're, you look hot. Like I just, it's hilarious. And that is like what we need from the Sir crew. Then also interesting, one, Stasi looking at houses, $2 million. Botox saying that he's not going to put down the down payment. Like, thank you for your honesty. And Lala trying to make a home with Randall, putting out some cheeses and macarons and in Bel Air, nonetheless. Right. In Bel Air, all the girls like sitting around, you know, looking just on a different, it's just a different show. They're on a different show. And I would watch both of those shows separately together. It's just like, I can't, I need to be in a zone for a certain thing. And um, that's just, I think where this needs to head next. Also, they didn't give us a preview for the reunion. I was really bummed because I've heard the reunion's really good. They say that about every reunion, but. It's also virtual. So like, it can't be the best thing ever, but I'm sure it'll be good. The Atlanta one was good, Um, but we need to talk about Jax. We need to talk about Jax. Because I'm a Jax apologist, but of course I, I know and understand that his behavior this season is, like, not good. It's super unstable. The way he talks to Brittany is so sad. And the way Brittany, that, like, has to defend her husband to her friends, like, that sucks. Um, but I think there's, like, an underlying thing going on here and that people think Jax is crazy. Like, he thinks he's better than everyone. He didn't want to put the Sir shirt on. And as much as I thought he was being unreasonable, like, I also kind of understood it because I think what a lot of people forget is, like, this show was built on the back and, like, the embarrassment of a lot of people, specifically Jax. Like, there were so many moments that, like, made this show, like, him sleeping with Kristen, him in the chunky knitter, knitted sweater, like, him running in Vegas, getting a fight. Like, he really made this show. Him, I would say him, Kristen, and Stassi, like, really made this show. Like, they bled out for the show. And I am sure that it fucking kills him to walk into Tom Tom. Like, Tom Schwartz never worked at Sir. Never really was a full-time cast member. He had one panic attack when he tried to work at Pump. And Lisa Vanderpump kind of handed him this opportunity on a platter that came from the show, that came from people like Jax and Kristen and Stassi bleeding out for the show. I am sure, and he would never say this, I am sure it fucking kills him that, like, they have this opportunity, this business that's going to last forever, that they, like, graduated from the show and they're in charge now and they are different. They were wearing suits and not Sir shirts in the photo shoot. Like, I am sure that that, kills Jax like and in his own way he's on the same level as Tom and Tom honestly he's he should be above Tom Schwartz in the hierarchy of Vanderpump Rules but he's not because he doesn't have a restaurant yeah honestly I think that's the best point that you ever made um last night obviously and just this season Jax's behavior has been indefensible like he needs to stop talking about his wedding but I also feel like a lot of now it's different like he's it's really a cry for help like he's trying to tell everyone that he's not okay and people just keep saying that's not an excuse but like he needs help. Like, he isn't okay. I think he's still grieving. I think that he has anger issues. I think that he doesn't know, like, how to express himself. And I just don't understand why no one, like, is j- jumping to help him when he's not saying, he's not saying, I'm sorry, like, I won't do it again. He's saying, I'm sorry, I need help. No, totally. It's like everyone's ignoring these, like, major red flags. What he's been doing and saying this season has been horrible. He's making literally no sense. And even Brittany, like, she knows that he's going through a lot, but, like, and I feel like the only person who actually really, really understands that he's having a mental breakdown is Stassi. Yeah. Like, she had that conversation with him, and then when Katie, like, wanted to block him, Stassi was like, no, he's literally losing it. Like, that'll just make it worse. I hope in the reunion we get some sort of 
update on this. Like he was going to therapy or something because he hasn't dealt with the loss of his dad. I don't think he's lost dealt with like the loss of the relationship with his mom. Like there's so much there. And he, he was always like a little like weird and emotionally unstable, but I think all of these life moments have really pushed him off a cliff and like nobody, it's like everyone's so fed up with him. Like they don't care enough to like help try and help him. him. Yeah. And I completely agree to your point about Tom, Tom and Jax is still bartending at Sir when like he is responsible for the success of so much of this along with other people. But like he made, he was like that, the villain that just made this show so lovable where it's like, we could all agree. Oh my God, Jax got the girl pregnant in Vegas. Like just, he gave so much to the show and he's gotten really nothing back when people who have given less have a restaurant on in no, and, by the way, their name on it. He's gotten stuff out of the show. Like he lives this fabulous life. He's a star, like whatever, all that stuff. But in the confines of the show, like they're celebrating the one year anniversary Tom Tom party. Like he's having to take a picture with Charlie wearing the same shirt as Charlie. Like I know he looked unreasonable, but like I actually understood it. Like he, he's, no one is above anyone, but there is a hierarchy in this whole thing. And to me, it's like this show was just built off the backs of certain people and for him to have to like kowtow to like this photo shoot that ended up looking like a piece of shit. Like when they literally showed me that, oh my God, that picture like, on the concrete. What is that? That was really, I thought it was going to be like another one of those like sultry, like moody pictures that we take at the beginning of the season. We, um, but it was like a weird yearbook photo. Yeah. And I know that like uh, we get a lot of flack for defending Jax and I'm not defending Jax. Like I, I agree. His behavior has been indefensible when he's like Tom Sandoval's acting like a woman. Like what? You should be so lucky to be a woman. Like I agree. He's out of control and he's unfiltered, but like part of me kind of gets what's driving him crazy. Like Tom Schwartz just like waltzed into this opportunity on Jax's back. Yeah. And he and loves sure Tom Schwartz. And I'm sure that's why Kristen also feels disgruntled. Kristen fucking bled out for this show. Suck a dick, Diana. Got fired. Like, James slapping him in the parking lot. Like, she and Jax have really become, like, these villains. But all these people are now, like, benefiting from their hard work and embarrassment. Kristen, Kristen can't even get on every episode. Totally. Like, she's barely on the show. And now that that editor went on the podcast and, like, said some of the, the secrets of how they edit it, um, she also said that Bravi, Bravo wanted to make Stassi and Bo look like superheroes. And so they needed to be in every episode, just like being themselves, I guess is like some sort of like pinnacle benchmark, um, for what like the cast can aspire to be. Um, and it's just, it's just to be Kristen and sucks. to be treated so differently. It just, it sucks. But I mean, that's the way, like life is unfair. I get that. Um, but yeah. you can't expect everyone to be smiling about it. My face is like literally turning around. I'm getting so heated. I know. We just like had so much defending to do today. Yeah, no, totally. And by the way, I can't stress enough. I'm not defending Jax's actions. No. Like I agree. They are abhorrent and indefensible. I was fed uh, up last of- night. Me too. Like he was just and saying was, the wrong thing. And I was just like, you should not be on the show anymore. Like you just can't handle it. But we just have to acknowledge like what maybe is going on behind the scenes. Right. But I and also think there's stuff... I think there's also stuff going on that we don't know because they talk sure. in a way that makes it seem like they're leaving something out. Also, even when he was talking to Lisa Vanderpump, he's called it my show. And Lisa Vanderpump, to me, like, I think Vanderpump Rules is more Jax's show than it is Lisa's. Like, yes, of course, Lisa gave him this opportunity, but Lisa has truly added nothing of value to the show. Every time she comes on the screen, I fast forward it. So, like, he's saying the wrong thing and he doesn't know how to express how he's feeling, but I totally get 
part of his frustration. I don't get how he's, I don't agree with how he's taking it out on the people around him, but I get why he's fucking fed up. No, like Lisa not belonging on the show was like, she should still be the executive producer. Like it's all her restaurants. But like when she was in the same room when Danica and Sheena 2.0 were having like the cattiest, pettiest fight and Lisa's there like looking at it. It's like one of these things is not like the other and it's Lisa Vanderpump who should be leaving. Agreed. Agreed. Great. That's it. And I think a lot of people can call this their show and that doesn't mean they're right or wrong. I think Andy would call it his show. I think Lisa would call it her show. I think Stassi would call it her show. I think Jax could call it his show. I think that Lala has called it her show and none of them are wrong. It is each part of their shows. Agreed. So, I would just never that. Pump. No, no, I wouldn't either, but like, I'm not Jax. Um, okay, let's dive into Dear Toasters, which is our advice segment. If you have something you want to write in, you can email us, deartoasters at gmail.com. We always keep it anonymous, and here's our first one. Hey, Claudia and Jackie, SOS. I have a friend who matched with this guy on Tinder while they were both passing through a city. They never actually met in person, but they kept talking, and while quarantine happened, so Tinderella and her prince's cyber romance continued. I thought that he was going to be, that was going to be the extent of it, but homegirl ended up driving 10 hours to go meet him for the first time, stayed there for a week, came home, then bought a one-way ticket to see him just a few days after she came home. She FaceTimed me last night, told me she's now looking to buy a house there and is interviewing for a couple of jobs. Me being the FBI social media friend that I am, did some social media snooping and got major player and fuckboy vibes from this guy. Not only that, he's in the military and will only be in that city for another year and a half. My friend is known to fall very hard and do everything and anything for guys while working even harder to craft up a story to convince everyone else that the whole thing is just a coincidence. How the hell do I bring her down to earth and let her know that she's being absolutely ridiculous? Help, this is urgent because she may have already closed on a house by now. P.S. You two are the best and I listen to your show every day. XOXO, Tinderella's helpless friend. Okay, this is interesting. There are some legitimate concerns that you have, and then there are some that I think is you're just being judgmental of your of your hopeless romantic of a friend. You saying yes. that you got that you looked him up. I thought you were going to see that he has a girlfriend or he's lying. Mm-hmm. He has a second life. Instead, you got fuck boy vibes. That while I understand, like you are getting a vibe. That's just not cold hard facts, and that's also you being a little bit judgmental and and wanting to see it go south. Not um, a legitimate concern by any means. I think Right. So I think even let's just operate under the guise that this guy is a great guy. There's nothing wrong with him. There's no reason why she shouldn't be in a relationship with him, but just her jumping the gun on everything and not like thinking before she does things is the cause for concern here. Buying a house is kind of crazy in a city that she's never lived in for a guy who's leaving in a year and a half. Maybe she could rent an apartment, try and see it through. Like I, I, I will always take up for someone who will go the extra mile to find love. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I understand she's been rash in the past. Has she ever moved to a whole nother city and bought a house in the past? Like, is it that sort of pattern? Um, But I think you should definitely have a conversation with her about slowing down, but sort of take your preconceived notions out of it because I think that you'll lose her. Like definitely just operate under the premise that this is a good relationship. They might even fall in love and last forever, but like you have to take things a little bit slower in order to build a better foundation. Right. And then at some point I always hearken back to like, not your life, not your problems. Like sometimes people have to learn for themselves. And like, if she's a grown woman, you can do all you can, but at the end of the day, you might never get through to her. The only way to get through to her is to, like, to live through her mistakes and learn from it and grow from it. And that's what a lot of people have to go through. And sometimes it's just not on you to fix other people's problems. And I know that you care about your friend and I'm sure that that's a genuine real concern coming from you, but at some point it's not your life, sis. Like get out of it. 
Yeah. And I just think the only advice I would give her, she was my friend and I didn't want to overstep, but just wanted to raise my concerns is I would say, listen, you don't know if you're going to like the city. You don't know if the relationship's going to work out. Maybe don't buy the house. Maybe just look for a short-term rental. See how you even like working there. Can you get a job? Just be a little bit more like logistically pragmatic about it as opposed to like condemning her life choices. This is very similar to when Carrie moved to Paris with Petrovsky and Miranda said, no, like, how are you going to write? But your job and your friends. And she's like, he's my life. And she had to learn and make her own mistakes and then come back with her tail between her legs back to New York. Sometimes you got to let a Carrie be a Carrie and make their own bad decisions. I totally agree. Like she absolutely needed to go to Paris and get humbled and trip in New York. Like that was so important for her development as a person. Yeah, no, she had to fall down the stairs, like, with Big at the hotel in order to understand, like, maybe I shouldn't just, like, go off of every feeling I have. Maybe. Totally. All right, next up. Jackie and Claudia, I need your help. My friend Melissa has asked me to set her up with my other friend, Jake. They met a couple times, and they've been quite flirtatious with each other, but the issue is that my friend Melissa has a history of cheating. She's cheated on every boyfriend she's ever had, and she gets tired of boys very quickly. Melissa knows Jake is single and looking to get into a relationship because we've spoken about it before. It came up in a random conversation when we spoke about Jake. I know that if Melissa and Jake date, that she'll cheat on him too, and I do not want to set the two of them up, but how do I tell Melissa no? Or what do I say to her? Help from a worried toaster. Oh, that's a terrible predicament to be in. I feel like there's many ways you could go about this. You could, like, just drop it and make it seem like Jake was never interested in Melissa, and, like, maybe that'll shut her up because she'll, like, be embarrassed that she got rejected. Um, you could tell Jake, be like, hey, my friend Melissa wants to set you up, just letting you know her track record, like, she's cheated on many guys, so just, like, keep that in the back of your mind. But then that's, like, you being sleuthy towards Melissa. I just feel like you should just drop it entirely and, like, hope that it goes away. Yeah, hope that it goes away. But maybe like if she keeps pushing the issue, be like, listen, I love you. I would do a lot for you. Maybe not anything, but um, you are my good friend. He's my good friend. I know how you are with guys. You're going to chew him up and spit him out. And that puts, leaves me in a weird position. Unless you're truly fucking serious about this, like don't ask me again. Yeah, I, I think like, that um, maybe take out the curse words and stuff. Yeah, no, of course. Take everything we say with a grain of salt. But just like if Jake is a nice guy, like you're not going to don't do that. Yeah, that's just the gist. When I say things like that, it's just the gist and then, you know, put some sugar on it. We're paraphrasing, of course. Of course. But if you need help, like, crafting an actual text, definitely go get help from somewhere else because, like, I can't send a text for my life. No, me neither. It's, like, my least, like, best quality. Least Agreed. best. Yeah. All right, third and final to your toasters. <sighs> Dear Claudia and Jackie, how do I begin this tale? There's a man named Charlie, or at least that we think that's what we think his name is. This is a question we are now having to grapple with. Our friend has always been a bragger, a teller of stories. In college, he told stories about his butler and maid and staff while growing up in Monterey. <laughs> he openly talks about his massive trust fund that he will acquire when he turns 30. He frequently discusses his large extravagant home in Monterey. Yet he seems to own one sweater, two shirts, and live with his aunt and uncle, so he says, in a less nice town, who look weirdly just like him. He won't show anyone his driver's license, and if he does, he weirdly covers his name. Rumors of a different last name have been mentioned amongst our friends. He also claims to have graduated from a prestigious private high school in the area. However, another friend found a photo online of him graduation, in a graduation gown from a different public high school across town. The lies have built up over time, and our friend group seems uncomfortable spending time with him because it seems like everything is a lie. Claudia and Jackie help. What should we do? Should we confront him and his lies? Should we wait until his 30th birthday in the hope of his life? In the, in the hope his lack of trust fund will topple his lies? Should we ignore them and continue business as usual? We've lo we love him either way. We just wish he would be honest. Signed, someone who has been lied to. Oh, man, this is shady as fuck. I love 
catching people in lies. My favorite thing is like meeting someone new and then figuring out that they're just the person who lies about everything. And then like knowing that every time you talk to them and like catching them in the lies, it's my favorite thing because what the fuck are you lying about freak? Yeah. Okay. So here's my two cents. It seems like the fact that you like him makes it a little challenging, but to me, I'm getting like Anna Delvey grifter vibes and maybe the lies are harmless for now, but eventually you're going to wind up in Morocco with a $20,000 hotel bill put on your corporate card and it's not going to be funny anymore. Great analogy. Great analogy. So you need to stop being friends with this person and like you'll see them in an episode of American Greed sometime. Like this is always how it starts. Like, yeah, the questions like Anna Delvey lied. She, her hotel in New York like wasn't paid for. She said she her trust fund's coming in. Like he will say, oh my God, it's my 30th birthday. Let's go on a trip. I got my trust fund. All of a sudden his credit card doesn't work and it's on your credit card. You do not need friends like this. When I, re- when I hear these stories of like these con artists, I'm just like, how can these people be so manipulated so easily and so maybe it's like no they knew that something was amiss but they like their friendship so they let it slide but you know what it's not gonna be sliding when it's your card sliding down the atm slip totally you know how they say like when a when a kid like kills a cat like they might go on to kill a human being it's like it's always the first step there are always signs when you're such a compulsive liar like the next thing you do is like you start stealing you know there's always something more this is the beginning, and I don't think you should be there for the end. Yeah, and I see that you, like, like this person, but I just, I can't imagine, like, liking someone who I can't trust, you know? Maybe, like, socially high by, like, I'll get a story from you, and it's always entertaining and funny, but in, in terms of true friendship, like, if I can't trust you, we can't be friends. Agreed. This is, it's just... It's not good. Get the fuck out, bitch. Yeah, and, like, honestly, this is entertaining, and if it, this is, like, going to be the next episode of American Greed, like, I would like to see your testimonial. So maybe keep, always keep this person at arm's length. Do not go on a trip with this person. Do not go to a restaurant with this person where you're ordering, like, bottles of Dom Perignon. Just do not find yourselves in situations with this person where you might have to pick up the, the bill. Right. Yeah, no, it's your corporate card. Like, get out. Get out. Okay, thank you guys for submitting. If you want to ever email us about anything, deartoasters at gmail.com. Our ears are open and we always keep it anonymous. Um, So no worries about that. Yeah, this was a really good episode. Like so much advice. We also did a whole episode of Patreon Dear Toasters. So if you love Dear Toasters like we do, you can head over to patreon.com slash toast. And there's like a million questions. We gave some great answers. We have three more episodes coming at you this month. Claudia just dropped an episode with the snitch talking about Taylor Swift. And it's gotten rave reviews. I've been hearing favorite episode yet. That's what I've been hearing. I've been hearing, I've been reading some reviews that people actually got emotional about it. Like, I don't know. I, I saw that too. I really did. Dead. Okay. Um, but yeah, head over to patreon.com slash morning toast for all the new content. Thank you guys so much for listening to the morning toast, the millennial morning show where we go live Monday through Friday, 10 30 AM Eastern time on YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We're also available as a podcast. anywhere podcast. You've been spending too much time with Ben. <laughs> That's such but a Ben. But I, I just, That's how Ben... <laughs> Okay, you can go. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, I Radio, CastBox, all the places. So wherever you listen to podcasts, find us. The Morning Toast, leave a five-star review about how beautiful, stunning, and smart we are. Please pre-order my comedy special available on iTunes. You can swipe up on my Instagram story or at the link in my bio on Girl With No Job. Thank you guys so much. We will see you tomorrow. Have a beautiful and blessed day. Bye.